0: I love Burn the Haystack because I'm a deep thinker and I like to challenge old traditions to make way for a brighter future. That's also why I chose to get my degree from Avondale University College. With a thriving community of believers, I was able to kickstart my career and grow my faith at the same time. Business, arts, teaching, nursing or ministry. Called to make a difference? Called to be at Avondale.
1: with Josh and Jesse. I'm Jesse <laughs> and I'm Josh
0: and this is a show all about saving the best and burning uh, the rest.
1: Uh, yeah I'm, sorry if you guys are watching the video <laughs> Jesse is smiling so intensely like I don't know I your I've got a smile. Is, i got to yeah, smile. You gotta smile before you press record. <laughs> so
0: pretty good I'm, life hack everybody before you do anything smile. Smile. You know you know I, I once when you got married Josh on your wedding day Oh yeah, that um, one time, that one time at band camp. No, um, <laughs> did you did you end up smiling so much that your face started to hurt? Uh, do you uh, remember that, or do you not remember? If you don't remember it, you, it probably didn't happen.
1: Well, it's kind of okay. It's kind of awkward, but uh, not with my wedding day. Oh, because our wedding day was cut short a little bit. Do you remember? That is true. That is true. Story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, no, yeah, no, actually no remembering. No, yeah, no, my no, 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 I remember my face did did hurt by the end <laughs> of that. But more so at a friend's wedding where was, the first time I was a groomsman at my friend's wedding I ah, had to do all the photos and, you had to and everything. Pose a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and they just had they had like a really long photo shoot as well. So ah. my face was like really hurting on that one. Whereas my one we didn't have as long a photo shoot, obviously. Because yeah. Because of Yeah. No, I, I just know. have this distinct uh memory of my wedding
0: and um towards the end of the night i was like why does my face hurt so much and then every time i smiled it hurt more i was like oh it's because i've been posing so much i don't like this and i decided to stop smiling and i haven't smiled ever since
1: (laughs) i refuse to smile i refuse
0: (laughs) no it's cool Uh,
1: but uh speaking of smiling
0: are you wanting me to jump in and to segue for you after you set me <laughs> up with help. a really... Uh, speaking of smiling, welcome to Burn the Haystack, everybody, where everybody <laughs> smiles because this is the podcast of joy and fun and celebration. I've because- got, a-
1: got a good segue. i got a good segue. i got a better one. <laughs> cool. Speaking of smiling, yes. a time of year that makes a lot of children smile a lot. Halloween. Ah, yes. (laughs) Uh,
0: You know what? It doesn't just make children smile. It makes dentists smile everywhere because dental bills go up after Halloween.
1: True. Is that actual? actual Probably. Probably. Probably Probably true. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, my my, uh, wider family, like my nieces and nephews, love Halloween. Mm. Yeah, man. They dress up every year. They decorate, do little jack-o'-lanterns.
0: Are they your uh, wider family because they eat so much candy at Halloween?
1: It makes them wider. (laughs) No, they're not. (laughs) Very bad joke. Um, (laughs) No, but they love it, Um, and yeah, I I love seeing them. I've never really celebrated Halloween. I think we talked so we talked about Halloween like two years ago. It
0: it was two years. I we didn't do this last year. I don't know why we didn't do it last year. Um, I
1: thought it was meant to be an annual thing. It and then was. We forgot about it last year.
0: <laughs> we just kind of forgot about Halloween, <laughs> uh, which is funny. It was funny because we, you know, when we first started doing the Halloween stuff, uh, well, well, when we decided to do the Halloween episode, I think all the Adventist podcasts were like, "Oh, let's do Halloween and let's talk about how Halloween is not Christian or whatever, or, or like it's is it controversial?" And then we were like, "Eh, let's just do something ridiculous," and so, <laughs> and so we did. We did a celebration or a bit of a riff on All Hallows' Eve, um, celebrating, uh, sort of doing a riff on, on the whole idea of celebrating the saints and the, the, the champions, the, uh, the men and the women who have gone before us in the faith of Jesus Christ and who have set the way for modern Christianity. And we remembered a whole bunch of people who we thought were quite inspiring. And so we decided that we would do it. Once again, so maybe it's going to be a, I don't know, bi, bi-annual
1: <laughs> We'll event. try and make it an annual thing. I don't we'll, know. we'll try. We'll see how we end up next year. If we, if we forget about it next year, just remind us, we'll do it a little yeah, bit late. I don't know. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, this year we remembered, so we're doing it. Uh, so if you want to go back, uh, the episode was called Taking the Spookiness Out of Spooktober. Maybe um, this is going to be like Taking the
0: Spookiness Out of Spooktober 2. Like maybe this can be like Treehouse of Horror, you know, like. Every year, it's Treehouse of Horror two, three, seventeen. Oh yeah, that
1: Simpson's, special the Simpsons thing, Treehouse of Horror. Yeah, 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 that was creepy. I never liked those. That was oh. scary. It
0: was too <laughs> spooky for me. Too spooky um, for you, but that's okay. Today is not going to be spooky. Today is going to be special. It is going to be sp- sp- fun, sp- fun, spooktacular, 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 spooktacular. Mm, we uh-huh. really have a way with words we, we are linguists <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you mispronounced the word linguist <laughs> right <laughs> okay it's, it's a joke okay um, yeah, i know everybody listens to burn the haystack for our brilliant banter but i think we should probably get into it at some point okay
1: hey? <laughs> well yeah and uh, the last time jesse made a brilliant call that often halloween is just about spooky vegetables um <laughs> <laughs> talking mentions. about like the Jacko legends, yeah. and turnips, and all that kind of thing. But um, I guess we're trying to find the, the beauty in it. Obviously, if yep. you want to hear the whole conversation, go back. We're not going to explain it all again. So what we're doing, we're going to do the same thing we did last time. Uh, we've each got three people who've been heroes of our faith. Yep. We haven't shared the list prior, so we may get a double up. Who I'm knows? really
0: hoping. I'm really hoping that we get a double up because I think that would be fun and awkward and hilarious. We might.
1: I don't know, I've got one that I'm like, oh man, it could
0: happen. Um, can I can I just ask you right off the bat, Josh, how many Seventh-day Adventists are on your list? One. Okay, I've got one too. Oh, okay, we did the same thing last time. Yes, we did. I think we kind of unintentionally did that. I think we both felt, oh, we should probably put an SDA on the list. And <laughs> I had Joseph Bates or did you have Joseph Bates? You had Joseph Bates. And then you had, who did you have? Uh, my great auntie Audrey. That's right. Ah, uh, so you subverted that a little bit. It's not sort of like a historical Adventist character. It's somebody who is very special and impactful to you specifically.
1: Yeah, to my family. To yeah, your family. So it's still Adventist, but does. Well, and I think that's part of this too. I mean, I think that's probably the difference with like maybe the traditional Catholic idea of mm. remembering saints is that they're very. They must yeah. be. They probably have to be more well known. But this is more about remembering anybody who's been taking a time in our year where we actually look back, remember people who've been impactful on our faith journey who are no longer with us. Um, and there whether it's is, your family or whether it's yeah. worldwide or whatever. And there, there are some people on this list who probably have impacted
0: your faith and you didn't even know that they did. Or that's you true. Know, so there's definitely one person on my list who, when I was reading about them. I realized how much they impacted millions billions probably of Christians and we probably don't even know it. So yeah. Bit of a, a bit of a spoiler, not gonna no, we'll you yeah, we'll, okay. we'll get to oh, it always. when we get to it, you know. Building taste.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, yeah, no, interesting. I am very excited about it. I feel like my list this time, two of mine are a lot more mainstream this time, and then one is nobody nobody knows them again, but that's fine. I mean, people know them, but obviously no like it's not like a world one. Anyway, maybe we should just maybe we should just get into it then, should we? Maybe we should. Should we just jump right in? We, let's just jump right into it. Let's just jump into the episode. Who's gonna go first? Jesse, you wanna go first?
0: Sure. If you want. Okay. Uh, I believe last time. I went in order of like oldest to youngest. I believe my first one was like Ignatius of Antioch who was like oh, <laughs> way back yeah. in the first, second century or something like that. I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to do most recent to least recent on my chronological list. Ooh, maybe my- you do the same. I can do the same then. I'll do the okay. same. All right, cool. So my very first hero, my saint, she's not a saint, maybe she's a saint, um, is... Sister
1: Rosetta Tharp. I have heard that name. You probably have. Yeah. Okay. I can't. Yeah. Okay. Who, explain. Okay. Me. So, there is a great
0: amount of debate about who was the originator, who invented rock and roll, right? <laughs> Okay, yeah, yeah. you didn't I know this was going. Okay. You didn't know I was going to go this way. No, yeah. I didn't. I've already you hooked me already. So I, I know about Sister Rosetta Thart because I listened to the fantastic history podcast, Our Fake History, um, and there were two episodes, a two part episode that um, that he did years and years ago called Who Invented Rock and Roll? Now. The sort of popular theory is that rock and roll was either invented by Fats Domino or Elvis Presley. Um, Elvis Presley was probably the first mainstream rock and roll artist. Um, But there are a a whole bunch of um, rock and roll artists who originated in the 40s and 50s and who kind of turned R&B and jazz into what we know today as rock and roll. Sister Rosetta Tharpe was a gospel artist. She was a singer-songwriter and uh, African-American, and she was a gospel artist. Uh, She was born in 1915, and she died in 1973. So she kind of lived around that early period where rhythm and blues, jazz, they were the mainstream um, music of choice for many African-American communities and many people all around America the sort of genres that you kind of think of as being synonymous with America. Um, and she is widely, um, not widely, but by rock and roll historians, because apparently rock and roll historians are, are a thing, um, she was uh, is thought to be one of the first people to have ever played a form of music... That could be likened to modern rock and roll, huh. and she was a gospel artist, right? She played around in churches. Her her brand of um, gospel was a little bit heavy, a little bit uh, controversial for some churches. So, some things never change. Um, <laughs> <laughs> True, um, but so there was so there's a, there's a couple of things to um, there's there's a couple of things that really define what rock and roll is. It's 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 distorted guitar. That's sort of the main thing. Mm. Um, it's a rhythm and blues sort of line and it's the use of um, percussion, right? So she did all of these things, and and actually, um, even if she didn't create the purest form of rock and roll. She got around to America and Europe. Actually, she toured um, Europe uh, in 1964 with Muddy Waters, one of the Hmm. greatest rock and roll artists from from the early 20th century. Um, And she inspired um, Johnny Cash, Carl Perkins, Elvis Presley, Jerry Lee Lewis, Eric Clapton, Hmm. Keith Richards, she had personal contact or at least concert musical contact with all of these and many 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 more um and she was she was one of the first um it was her sound wow. that really uh really really inspired many of these early artists to actually write songs in this in this way and she was a christian gospel artist so you could, It could be said that the uh, originator of rock and roll was a follower of Jesus and that she invented rock and roll playing Jesus music in church.
1: That so is fascinating. Yeah. That is absolutely fascinating because I think maybe if more people knew that, maybe they wouldn't have the same right? uh, mindset about rock and roll. Yeah. 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 Look, rock rock and roll went
0: on to be associated with some pretty like Little Richard was, you know, probably one of, mm. one of one of the other ones that people really thought was like the originator. Um and he was a he was pretty he was a pretty filthy guy as far as his yeah. lifestyle was concerned. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, but that that you know that people took took that and they were inspired by by her by you know um Fats Domino and many of the um African American artists in the the different um regional centers Memphis um Chicago and there was one I think New Orleans there were the three hmm. cities that R&B and jazz kind of blended into rock and roll in the 40s 50s and 60s sort of thing so
1: yeah anyway. Yeah, oh, wow. there you go. That's so cool. Um it's so sort of yeah. a, a, a
0: sort of a subversive pick. Not like she was not like a theologian and she wasn't like a, a church leader. But music is is obviously such a powerful thing and even if you know, even if she wasn't the 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 godmother of rock and roll as she's often referred to, um she has gone on to influence Millions and millions of artists, um, inside and outside the church. So hmm. I think very. I think more people should know about Sister Ros- Rosetta Tharp. Um, incredible.
1: Yeah, that is so cool. I'm actually like blown away by that. I, I think I've actually listened to her music before. I'm trying because I've done some. It's kind of random. I've done some rock history. Yeah. Playlist sort of things, and I'm pretty sure it came up in it. it probably is. That's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. Wow. So. I love that, <laughs> and that's. I think one thing I I would love to see. I think that the the church should really be like where creativity blossoms the most, you know. Yeah. But often we find churches becoming sort of the most draining creative, creatively, creatively draining places because it's like no, you have to do it like this. This is this is the way, you know. <laughs> yeah. To, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> where, whereas yeah I, I think you know like we serve a we serve a creative god a creator god mm. and I my personal belief I don't know not know everybody tracks with this I think I mentioned this before but I believe that all creativity is given by god but yeah. whether you choose to glorify god with it is another thing um so I think like and I think if more of us approached it with that mindset that as we get creative and we can use any creativity to glorify god I think that's Kind of opens the doors to think that actually the church can be the most creative mm. people on the world mm. um in the world, and so that excites me. I think we were at one stage, but yeah not
0: and i think I think the rhythm and blues and the jazz sort of scene in the mid like the early early to mid twentieth century um is definitely uh definitely evidence of that, you know because mm the African-American community in the United States at that time was a subjugated, um, you know, didn't have civil rights and liberties the way that we kind of enjoy them t- today. And so a lot of that came out of their their class struggle, but also their spiritual struggle as well, um, you know, because I think one of the things that got uh, many of these people through their struggles was their faith and yeah. Their sense of community and the songs and the and the poems and the writings that came out of them uh were a result of 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 that creativity, of you know, wanting to be new creation, uh even when they felt like they weren't actually um on the same level playing field as as, as other people. So
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Yeah, wow. Oh, that's cool as. Yeah, I mean, that's. I wonder how many genres are directly created from Christian groups because harmony itself was created in church. For sure. Yeah. um,
0: From the, what, the Gregorian chant type? Yeah. Yeah. So, in a way. (laughs) <laughs> there's a lot a lot that comes from the church just just musically. It's transferable though, isn't it, though? Because like, you know, you take you take the mid century, uh sixteenth, seventeenth century hymns that we sing today in uh traditional churches, and many of them are originals, but also quite a few are uh, bar songs, popular songs that have been adapted uh mm-hmm. into so I think there's yeah, we we, we definitely borrow and um yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Anyway. That's that's just my number one. Otherwise, we'll uh, let's keep going. Otherwise, we won't get through it all. What's yours?
1: Cool. So my most recent one, then uh, my first one, is Eugene Peterson. Ah, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. So he just passed away in twenty eighteen. So quite recent. Um, and I think we did actually mention it on the podcast closer to when it happened. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he passed away October 22, 2018. So, would have been actually quite close to when we recorded the first one of these, funnily enough. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, he—if you don't know who Eugene Peterson is—he was an American Presbyterian minister, um, but he was also a scholar, a theologian, an author, um, and a poet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm reading this off Wikipedia, but um, <laughs> yeah, but it's—I mean, it's just going to sum it up better than I could. So, he wrote over 30 books, including gold medallion book award winner The Message The Bible Contemporary in Contemporary Language so The Message Translation of the Bible incredibly was all written by one guy yeah um, who was also a pastor and everything so that's just mind-bending to me that he did a whole translation of the Bible I mean a lot of people like to kind of make fun of the, the message translation and that kind of thing but ultimately the fact that that was written by a pastor with a pastoral heart I don't know I think it's just incredible and I use the message heaps I love it as a translation. I find it so inspiring, and so many phrases that I've gotten from that translation that have made their way into my vocabulary or my faith vocabulary, I guess. Mm. Um, Like the rhythms of grace. You know what I mean? I use that all the time when I think about, uh, like, when I'm explaining something to somebody. And I'll just say, you know, it's just part of the rhythms of grace. They're like, oh, rhythms grace. I never thought about it. Got it from the message. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, Yeah, but I mean, he also read a lot of other books too that. Um. Yeah, and he's just an amazing guy. Really. Yeah. He was. Yeah. Yeah. No,
0: Eugene Peterson. What a giant! What a giant! Um. Mm. I, I don't know what what could be said about that guy that you know hasn't already been said by a million other people for for all the oh man I remember. When just before he died, there was some some really strange um, conversations that were happening around him. He was sort of changing his views on homosexuality, which was Mm. making the rounds. I remember, Um, but I I think the one thing that I've always really found comforting and um, sort of reassuring about him was was that grace. Um, that he seemed to just espouse and to represent in himself continually. Um, yeah. Which is, such a, which is such a beautiful picture of God, like in terms of what I would hope God to be like the father, a father like Eugene Peterson, which is what every one of us is supposed to be, you know, striving towards is becoming more like Christ. Um, and I think he really, he represented that and he uh, lived that in his life uh, imperfect as he was in such a beautiful, graceful way.
1: So, mm. yeah. Yeah. Um, and I I don't think people probably realize how how much courage and boldness it takes um, to write and publish a translation of the Bible. Cool, man. Especially one as different as the message. Yeah. Especially as one person. Like that is so bold. Yeah. Like, would I do it? Probably not anytime soon. <laughs> like, I don't yeah.
0: think I don't think I have yeah the confidence to yeah no definitely not
1: yeah and I I just <laughs> but at the same time it's been so life changing for so many people like I, I remember um oh goodness um when I was working in a teen church and there were some kids and the only translation of the Bible they had at home was like a KJV Bible and yeah. Um, they were like, I don't I don't really like the Bible. You know, I'm not into it. I don't get it. I don't get what it's talking about. I don't get much from it. Um, I gave them an NLT Bible. They're like, yeah, I don't know. It's a bit different. It's a bit... But I still just don't really get it. And so then I said, why, why don't you try to read this? And I gave them the message. This one girl, I remember, she just started reading it every day. Oh, wow. Yeah. And just... Yeah, she full-on had a huge turnaround because of that translation. Yeah. She then... I think, I think it probably grew enough maturity in her to start reading and getting more from other translations after that. But that's just really where she started. Mm. Um, and I know a lot of people who have grown up Christian or they've grown up reading the Bible and it's sort of all just like the language becomes so familiar that it doesn't mean as much anymore. Yeah, it just kind of you come numb to it. Yeah. And um, so when I was at Avondale uh, at college, I remember um, there were a bunch of people there who read the message translation there for the first time growing up Christian but they just found a renewed passion for the Bible yeah just because it was like a fresh take on something that they'd read so many times before and yeah I just think it's such a cool contribution to the world like the Christian yeah. world um yeah and I think it's opened the door too for more like recently mm. I've seen the um the passion translation which is. I think a similar sort of vein. It's only yeah. the New Testament at the moment, yeah. but it's you know that same sort of like really getting to okay, what's the heart of this and how would I say it in the most contemporary yeah. language possible. Yeah. Um
0: which is yeah. which is a really really great really great thing to do. Um I think you know how like you admire people but then you go I wouldn't I wouldn't want to meet them, you know, sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think he he's one of those guys that I actually really I really regret that I never had the opportunity to ever meet him. I think I would have mm. really uh, loved even to spend a couple minutes talking to him, I think would have been incredible. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Very sad.
1: Yeah. I I would have loved to see him. I don't know what he I don't really even know what he was like as a preacher, but just to see him in action would have just been awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there are also a couple of quotes that, He had the, um, they're two, they're kind of similar quotes, but they actually really help my understanding of Sabbath. Okay. Um, Yeah. So uh, the first one um, is if you don't take a Sabbath, something is wrong. You're doing too much, you're being too much in charge. You've got to quit one day a week and just watch what God is doing when you're not doing anything. Yeah, and then the second one is, is a lot like it. Um, Sabbath is that uncluttered time and space in which we distance ourselves from our own activities enough to see what God is doing. Wow. Yeah. Um, and those those two quotes. Um. I sorry. I don't have the reference on from where they're from at the moment. I'll try and I'll try and get them. Um. um but those two quotes really. Um. They actually shifted my my perception of Sabbath as a time when even though I'm trying to limit what I'm doing, obviously it's changed again because I'm a pastor, but <laughs> um, Sabbath is a huge shift when you're a pastor, <laughs> yeah. but um, yeah. but I think just at the, at, the, at the core message of the Sabbath, just, just the idea that I'm stepping back but that doesn't mean God is in a way, like yeah. God is moving and it's Sabbath is a time when I can see that more clearly because I'm doing less. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know what exactly that was a a shift from. Like I can't remember the mindset before that, but I remember reading that and having a shift. Yeah, you
0: know, yeah, Yeah. that's cool, man.
1: Yeah. Uh, Okay, so I think it's from, uh, tell tell it slant: a conversation on the language of Jesus in his stories and prayers. Cool. So there you go. Uh, Carpai. Ka- Ka-pai. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> for our mostly non Kiwi audience, uh, Ka Pai oh, means it's good. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. It's all oh, right. That's cool. Uh, cool. <laughs>
0: all right. Cool. All right. Happy for me to go for my number two?
1: Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. right. Yeah. Slightly, yeah.
0: <laughs> slightly less
1: uh,
0: graceful and uh, serene. Uh, somewhat, I think, maybe somewhat controversial pick. My second one, mine second one's an Adventist, um, John Harvey Kellogg.
1: Oh, Whoa. okay, <laughs>
0: okay, yeah, I'm tracking. Um, so if, even if you're not an Adventist, you'll know who this guy is, um, uh, simply for the fact that he invented cornflakes, um. Uh, but if you didn't know that he was an Adventist, well, he was until he wasn't, um, and we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, there, there, there is a, there's a lot more history that you can go into. I'm kind of taking a little bit of of what you can know about him and uh, sharing it. There's a lot of weird stuff. This guy was. This guy was yeah. had. He had some really great contributions to the church and the world. But he also did some stuff that was really questionable and a little bit problematic in today's era. But yeah, we'll talk yeah. about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm just laughing at the your summary of someone's faith journey. It's like he was Adventist until he wasn't, and <laughs> that's it. <you> know? <laughs> anyway, sorry, this is this is great. <laughs> great moment. Yeah. Well, I, you know what, I think this guy.
0: By the way, if you if you've never seen a picture of John Harvey Kellogg, do go and look it up. He is the spitting image of Colonel Sanders. <laughs> um, like I'm not even joking which is ironic because I think he would be absolutely appalled to be compared to the logo and the founder of Kentucky Fried Chicken given that he was such a proponent of extreme health and temperance and all that sort of stuff um, so anyway look if you've never heard of John Harvey Kellogg here is the quick bio um, he was a doctor and a businessman and he, uh, his father became an Adventist uh, early in the Adventist church, and his father was actually one of the men responsible con- for convincing James White and the early church founders to move their headquarters to Battle Creek, Michigan, USA. Mm. Um, so he was a proponent. Uh, he, he established the Battle Creek Sanitarium. He also coined the term sanitarium, uh, which I believe is sort of like a combination of like the ideas of sanitation and uh, something else. It's to, it was to do with aquariums. Health. Yep, aquariums.
1: <laughs> Sanitary We're <gonna> swim in. <laughs> no, I don't know.
0: <laughs> it's to do with health, health and cleanliness is sort of the two ideas that kind of combined into this idea of a sanatorium or sanitarium.
1: I'll, I'll look it up. All right, you do that.
0: Um, So he was a proponent of many, many different medical or health ventures and people would come to his sanitarium from all around the world to get treatment. Um, He really, really encouraged vegetarianism, temperance, sexual abstinence and clean living. I was a bit confused. So he had, I think, two wives. The first wife uh, he had like six kids with and the second wife he had kids like 11 kids with um but i think this he either either it was his second or third wife i was a bit confused when i was reading this before but one of his wives they they abstained from sex even when they got married and they slept in different rooms after they got married i i I was like if if somebody wants to clear up sort of that thing please please do but I was really confused as to sort of the thinking. Maybe it's around the ideas of divorce. I'm not too sure. Um, fun fact, though, um, he was really preoccupied with uh, sexual abstinence. Um, and if you don't know, cornflakes originally he didn't invent it as a breakfast cereal. cereal. He invented it as an anaphrodisiac. An which is the opposite of what an aphrodisiac is. Okay. So, masturbation... I'm sorry. uh, Masturbation was one of the things that he thought was absolutely like, this is killing out young men especially. You know, it's really bad for them. And so, he invented cornflakes as a way of preventing people from masturbating, which I don't know how... I don't know how he thought that would happen. But... Whatever the thinking, whatever the reasoning, cornflakes obviously went on to become a huge hit all around America and basically paved the way for the modern breakfast cereal. Um, I'm not sure that we would have breakfast cereal today if it wasn't for John Harvey Kellogg and cornflakes. So And as
1: someone who eats well, I eat muesli. Does that count as a breakfast cereal? I eat it pretty much I eat it every day every, every day. And we dicks. It's very readings. healthy. Very healthy. Yeah,
0: yeah. Love it. Just great. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh. He he also uh, he had some really other good contributions to science. He was an early proponent of germ theory, so the idea that you know we get sick from germs and germs and microorganisms that live in cells and all that sort of stuff. Um. That wasn't really a known theory until his era and later on, and it wasn't really picked up and then obviously medicine, uh, modern vaccines and all that sort of stuff were developed as a result of um, this growing awareness of germ theory. And he was also one of the first to uh, advocate for uh, gut health and uh, the idea that um, you know microorganisms live in our gut and uh, that we really have to take care of our gut as a you know gut biome and all that sort of stuff that people talk about today with... Enemas and like cleaning out and all that sort of stuff. Pretty gross stuff. Like I Mm -hmm. I totally admit this is all pretty gross stuff. But, um, you know, he was a doctor and he was extremely experimental and he tried many different things. Some of them didn't work out, but some of them actually went on to pave the way for modern medicine today and modern health practices. Um, But for all his positive contributions he was not without controversy so i'll mention one or two of them he was an avid supporter of eugenics uh which is not a very popular topic amongst many people who are christian because christianity is often associated with the pro-life stance um and he was absolutely a in favor of uh sterilization and um uh, i guess well i mean eugenics you know cleaning out humanity from people who are physically, mentally uh, inferior. I say in very heavy quote marks because this is his idea, not mine. Um, he, he was also a, bit, a little bit racist. Um, he was not in favor of the mixing of the races and of different people from different cultural backgrounds coming together and having kids. Um, which is definitely not something that people look on him today and go, "Way to go, buddy!" Um, not, not very good.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're really making this
0: seem like a strange choice to pick. So. My, my, dude, the, he was. I, I picked him because he's such a crazy, crazy guy. He, he contributed <laughs> okay. so much good stuff to the world, but then on the other hand, some of the other stuff that he did was really questionable. But he was a huge part of our early SDA church. Uh, people often forget that. They just think about the the stuff that he did later on with his theology. But actually, some of the stuff that he did do that was positive has impacted the world for a long time since. Mm. Um so, I should also mention um, the main part that we associate with John Harvey Kellogg, if you're a Seventh-day Adventist, is his book, The Living Temple, where he laid out his views on panentheism, which is not pantheism. Panentheism is basically that God is in everything, whereas pantheism is that God is nature and everything is God and all that sort of stuff. Um, something which probably today would be taken a little bit better if worded in a different way, uh, but... Eventually, he was kicked out of the church. He was disfellowshipped, which is not something that happens very often. No. Um, especially to somebody who was such a uh, huge part of the early church's um, development. He funded a lot of stuff. He made a lot of stuff happen in the early church. He was a big ally to many of our original founders. And, and yeah, he ended up becoming uh, disfellowshipped and, and kicked out in the end, um, which is quite sad. But yeah. uh, he seemed to have a great deal of respect for Ellen White Even though he was a pretty bitter critic Towards her and James White Towards the end of their lives Or so, uh, Ellen White died before Kellogg died um, But he seemed to have a fair bit of respect for her Even though they disagreed on many things And they seemed to have kind of still been friends Kind of towards yeah. the end He was the director of the sanitarium um, Up until his death so he stayed in Battle Creek. Um, so,
1: yeah. Oh, wow. I it was a you, yeah. crazy guy. Crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's kind of interesting. Um, <laughs> I guess it's a pretty, it's an extreme example of the fact that even though we're going to have these heroes of our faith, no hero of faith is perfect. Yeah. You know, and uh, I think that's kind of, you, you got to accept that in a way. Yeah. No, I will share one more thing and then um, I'll hand it over to you josh um, uh, i do have that do you want me to share the please the meaning of sanitarium according to vocabulary.com i couldn't find it on the official website so i'm guessing this is uh so in the past someone who is recovering from a long-term illness might stay at a sanitarium a special kind of hospital. many sanitariums in the u.s once treated patients with tuberculosis oh. uh, a sanitarium was also called a sanatorium. Even more confusingly, both words were sometimes used to mean health resort, something closer to a spa than a hospital. Before <laughs> antibiotics were invented, the most effective treatment for tuberculosis and other lung disease was fresh air and healthy food at a sanitarium. The word is rooted in the Latin sanitas, meaning health. There you go. There you go. So that's cool.
0: And and I will say um, on the sanitarium part, at the sanitarium in Battle Creek, the original one, um, I was surprised it played host to thousands and thousands of people, some just ordinary people like you and I, but also some pretty legit celebrities of the day. Um, When I was researching this, I found out that um, Amelia Earhart, um, the aviator, the Mm. pilot, um, William Howard Taft, who who was a president of the United States, Henry Ford, Thomas Edison, and Irving Fisher all were patients at one point at the Battle Creek Sanitarium. There you go. Yeah. And did you also know that um, Will Durant, the famous American philosopher, considered Kellogg to be one of his greatest mentors? (laughs) So this guy was like a rock star, (laughs) like a legit rock star. A health... And well being rock star. So a health and well being rock star. Goals, man. Goals. <laughs> Even though he was kicked out of the church. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow.
1: That's super interesting. Yeah. So- okay. Yeah, right on. No, yeah. Good. Interesting choice. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh. Okay. Um, my next one kind of weird, but I'm not going to give the name. Uh, because, uh, it's a personal one. I don't know the family that well. I didn't get permission to share the story or anything to, and I kind of decided to do this one a little bit last minute. Do you want to make, it'll all make sense. Do you want to give like a su- a pseudonym? Okay. Uh, what? Like a fake name? Yeah. Nancy. Cool. <laughs> I don't know. Way to go. Hey. I'm excited to hear know. about Nancy. No. <laughs> Fantastic. so when i was growing up at a church in sydney uh there was a pastor at our church and um yeah shocking i know uh but his wife was so he was quite a traditional to sort of the adventist pastor you know wore a suit and tie every week and preached on the very adventist sort of thing. you guys know the the kind of thing i'm talking about not in a bad way great lovely guy Uh, But, you know, just a traditional, quite a traditional minister. Um, But his wife was really creative and she used to paint and draw. And often this is what really set them apart as a ministry couple is that she would paint and draw um, like something to accompany one of his sermons or a series of sermons. She'd produce something to visually show it and, some, you know, beautiful beautiful Mm. pictures and um and there was one uh she did which I, I remember she she did it shortly before we left but um she actually got quite sick uh it was some form of cancer um and unfortunately uh I think I don't know this was one of the last works she ever did um and it was sort of just before we left to move uh to move away but um yeah, she did this beautiful um, picture of Avondale. Oh, wow. Enough. Yeah, and um, if you put a black light on it, uh, it would show all of these angels all over the picture. Oh. Yeah, you might have actually seen it before. Um, um, I don't know. It's currently hanging up at Avondale. In Whereabouts? In, in College Hall. Hall. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. I don't know if it's still there, But when I, but the cool thing was when I came back, like so I'd left years and years later, I'd left the church for a bit, came yeah. back to the church, totally forgot about all of this. And then I came back to Avondale and I walked into the college hall and I saw the painting there this woman, this woman did from our church. And I just like stood there totally gobsmacked. Wow. And my friends were like, What what's the big deal? Like like and there wasn't any black light in the room, so you couldn't yeah. actually see, and nobody knew. The, the thing about this oh. pa- this painting, right? Because they didn't, it wasn't displayed in a way in which it would show it off. And so I said, guys, I'll show you. I'll show you. Let's come back like some <laughs> night this week. I'm going to source a black light and I'll bring it back here and we'll sneak in. And we did. <laughs> so we ended up going in there just because I wanted to show it off. And yeah. I shone the black light on and all the angels showed up on the thing. And they were like, whoa, how did you know that? And I'm like, I remember when this was done when I was a little kid. I wow. remember the woman who did it. And... Um, I guess for me it was just really encouraging because I think I think that was actually a big foundation for me of why I value creativity so much in the church. Coming back to our conversation from before, because I saw how even though the the pastor was just sort of doing these you know traditional messages that as a kid I didn't necessarily understand that well. I'm sure they were great messages, but at the time, at just my age, I didn't fully grasp them. Hmm. Um, but I remember the paintings. And how much they meant to me every time she would unveil one, show one and paint one at church. And that one for me, because that was the last one I saw her did, but also when I came back to Avondale, I saw it there. And so it was just a huge link in my life that just all these things sort of connected together. And like creativity was a reason that I came back into the church too. So it was just a big, yeah, reminder Mm. anyway, I guess. Um, So yeah, it was really cool. cool. I guess uh, my... Uh, Some else have it, if I don't know if it's still there, you can let us know
0: um, yeah
1: if you're if you're a student, go and see if you can find it. That would be yeah. epic. send us a photo if you if you find it, yeah, um, so yeah, I, I don't know, just a super touching um like obviously quite quite tragic mm. um yeah, but at the same time, really beautiful the the legacy that she left in me and honestly, I barely knew her. but yeah. just her impact of just what she did and how she connected. Um, like I remember, the couple were lovely, and we went over to their house several times, and all that kind of thing. Mm. And, um, yeah, really beautiful people. But um, yeah. I wonder, I
0: wonder, is that is she one of the reasons why that is is sort of a practice that is done in and around Sydney and Avondale? Because, like you know, we live in New Zealand. I, I've been to many different churches all around Australia and New Zealand. I don't ever really see that being done, like a sermon. And then mm. like somebody doing a work of art. But it happened quite often at Avondale. I remember one of our friends, Doug, used to, he used to do that when we were yeah, at yeah, Avondale. True. And many other people did it. I wonder, if that, I wonder if she was one of the first people that started doing that and people started thinking, hey, that's a great
1: idea. We should do that in our church. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I have no idea because obviously I was, I was a kid at the time. I didn't see the scene yeah. before she came along. So, But I mean, I haven't seen it really done anywhere else. That's true.
0: Mm, interesting
1: maybe but um Mm. yeah so just hugely impactful um and just really awesome um yeah so anyway uh man yeah just really special your your picks have
0: been really beautiful and personal i feel really (laughs) it's been awesome
1: uh my last one isn't as much okay but i'm scared the last one the last one's one that i'm I'm like oh what if we have the same one yeah let's see uh
0: yeah okay so you've already done your Adventist one. That was your Adventist one. Hey.
1: Yeah, you've done your Advent. one. Oh, did that yeah. one count as your Adventist one? Yeah. Kellogg? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I yeah. was like, are you not counting that as Adventist?
0: <laughs> no, yeah. no, 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 okay. no. 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 Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. My, my third one is a legit saint. I picked an actual saint. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So maybe, maybe we aren't on the same one. I'll, I'll be no. interested to know who yours is. Okay. For my final pick uh i have picked saint augustine of hippo
1: i was gonna pick augustine and i oh! changed i changed okay cool what made you change oh i don't know i just was like oh actually no, this other one i, I want to share more about this one All right. yeah okay yeah fantastic so. oh that's cool, cool. Oh. Ooh, that's so, so funny. close yeah so i was like close. oh maybe we could share about augustine in this episode no 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 i'll change yeah. it
0: funny great <sighs> Um, so in your, uh, reading about Augustine, so I was actually really interested when I, when I think Augustine of Hippo, like that's sort of the title that we often think about him. I thought, why Hippo? Is he associated with a Hippo? <laughs> Turns out Hippo uh, is a place. Do you know where Hippo actually is today? I don't. Okay. So Hippo is now the city of, uh, I'm going to probably butcher this, Anaba or Anabar in Algeria. Just, just there I, you go. Yeah, I mean, I don't know anything about Algeria. I don't. I certainly have never heard of this city before. But apparently, when it was in the Roman Empire, it was a city called Hippo, uh, and he was the bishop of the city of Hippo. Hmm. Um, he was the he was the bishop from three ninety six to four thirty. And if you don't know Saint Augustine, you probably um, have been influenced by his theology and his thinking more than you know, because he was. I think he's probably been one of the most influential theologians on the way that Western Christians think about the world and think about their faith um, than so many others. Um, So he is often regarded, and actually in the Wikipedia profile, if you go and look at him, it will actually tell you that St. Augustine is perhaps the most significant Christian thinker after St. Paul. So that's that's just showing. Big call. Big, big, big call. call. Yeah. Uh, and he's he's most well known for two of his works, um, The City of God and Confessions, uh, which both sort of give you a bit of a window into his theological thought. But he was classically trained uh, in the Platonic sort of uh, Greek way of thinking. And many theologians and historians today will posit that we as Christians are heavily influenced by the Platonic school of thought because of Augustine, um, because of his writings, because of the way that his influence really, really impacted the church. Um, He's one of the Latin fathers of the church. So he is highly, highly regarded in the Catholic church. uh, And he is formally recognized as a doctor of the church, which I don't actually know what that means, but it sounds impressive. (laughs) (laughs) A doctor, yeah, a a doctor you know now of that the you mention. It, I don't know either. <laughs> it's so strange. Um, so more than five million words of his writings have survived um, in all the manuscripts and stuff. So he was a prolific writer, uh, and there's a lot of copies of his books, which just shows how even popular he was, uh, even back when he was alive. Um, intellectually, Augustine represents the most. Influential. I'm reading from the, his bio, the most influential adaptation of the ancient Platonic tradition with Christian ideas that has ever occurred in the Latin Christian world. So he basically, what that means is the Platonic, aka Plato, the Greek philosopher, his way of thinking, his school of thought. Augustine took that, that was what he was raised in, and he applied that to Christianity. So uh, he is in many ways why many Christians have a very dualistic way of thinking about the body and the soul. Um, That Mm -hmm. work exists in St. Paul's work, but um, Augustine expanded that. Um, The idea of the spirit and the flesh, uh, very Christian. But then he took Plato's ideas of um, the spirit and the flesh and he fused them together in a way that, possibly Paul and the Jewish writers didn't really intend um, because Paul was very much a Hebrew theologian uh, Jewish theologian but Augustine takes that Greek um, school of thought he applies it to Christianity and then because of his influence most Western Christians whether we realize it or not we think in that same way Mm. Um, for better or for worse right
1: so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's Augustine. Um yeah. my well, if you want my my thing about Augustine that I liked was um, I guess just his thoughts around the city of God. That was always something that I found really interesting. So yeah. essentially as the Roman Empire was I don't know, falling apart, he then he was a really big thinker into now imagine the city of God as like this separate thing that's blossoming in the midst of a real city falling apart, but then the the, act- the the major city, which is the city of God, is growing and flourishing. And I don't know. I think it's just a really cool yeah, way to think about. It's like the upside down kingdom within the kingdom. Yeah. And that's kind of, I think he's a big originator of that thought. Um, and I would of-
0: argue that many Christians just don't get that idea at all. Like we, we talk about it, but we don't actually understand what it means. And... Yeah, that's for me as well. It's probably the most impactful of his uh, his teachings on, on my own ministry is that same idea. In City of God is such a timeless classic.
1: So if you have the the time, definitely go and read it. It's great. I haven't read it. I'm gonna, I'm actually going to come out right out and say I've not read any of Augustine's works, but okay. I know summaries of them basically. Fair enough. But I would like to one day. Highly recommended. I haven't read Confessions, but I've read City of God,
0: and oh, I've read I read it years ago, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was at Avondale, actually. Um, great. Yeah, I, I used it in one of my essays, I think. Oh, cool. So, yes. So that's number three. Uh, a legit saint,
1: St. Augustine of Hippo. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Well, my one, uh, get ready for it, C.S. Lewis. Oh. Josh with all the hits today. Goodness gracious. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty mainstream, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, you know, we all... didn't talk about him in the last one. I mean, last time I talked about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who's also yes. quite mainstream. Yes, Probably not as much as C.S. Lewis. Um, mm. So if you don't know who C.S. Lewis was, he, he was around from 1898 to 1963 when he passed away. Uh, so not as old as St. Augustine, <laughs> but, um, but uh, he was a British writer and like a scholar, like a, a biblical scholar as well, like a theologian. Mm. And he, he was actually, the the cool thing about C.S. Lewis that I like is that he was really well known in academic circles. Yes. Period. You know, it wasn't the fact that he was a, like, he's not known in Christian academic circles. He's really well known in academic circles um, for his literature. And um, yeah, I just think that's really cool. Like, being influential I think it's a really great example of being an influence in your sphere and doing it for doing it for the gospel Mm -hmm. and he wrote amazing books um I I would love one day to say I've read the entire C.S. Lewis catalog (laughs) but I'm not I'm not there so um screw tape screw tape letters uh the chronicles of Narnia come on I I grew up on these yeah amazing um the Space Trilogy, have not read read that. Mm. Um, Mere Christianity is one um, well read in. Um, and Miracles and the Problem of Faith. Yeah. So like particularly like Mere Christianity was quite a big one for me and my journey. And it's amazing because that book is, uh, that and Screwtape Letters are quite, they're like apologetics really for Christianity. And a lot of those arguments that C.S. Lewis, I don't know if he necessarily coined them or mm. if he just popularized them, I'm not sure. But True. a lot of the things he presents in that book are still used today when people are defending their faith and helping yeah. others helping others to understand God. Um, like the whole thing about Jesus has to have been a... Um, what is it? A madman. A, no, yeah. yeah, a madman. a liar or the son of God. Yeah, madman, a liar or the son of God. I'm pretty sure that's a C.S. Lewis thing. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's straight from mere Christianity. Yeah, and people still use that yeah. all the time yeah. uh, when they talk about Jesus. And so I think, yeah, just super impactful worldwide Christianity, but then mm-hmm. also in his own sphere as well of of um, English and literature. Like I just think that's awesome. And I would like to see more Christians who are influential, like not just influential in the Christian space, but influential in whatever their sphere is and then they can bring Christ into that. I think C.S. Lewis is a really shining example of mm. that.
0: I, I think C.S. Lewis is also a really shining example of um, a, a modern parable um, writer, and allegorical writer who mm. really takes seriously the themes and the subject material of, around Christianity, salvation, the the problem of sin, sacrifice, all that stuff that we see in particularly The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but also throughout the entire Chronicles of Narnia series. Probably the books that I've read the most, I think as a kid, I for maybe three, four, five years, I just read them. And when I finished, I just read them again and again. I think I've read them probably wow. 10, 15 times each, you know. Um, but a real masterclass in modern fantasy parable writing. It has everything, you know? Yeah. Um, So fantastic. Just
1: ignited my imagination. Wouldn't it be cool to see more of that today? Yeah. You know, like... For sure. I I don't feel like a lot of... It's hard because there's a lot of... um, Like we've talked about this before. There are movies and there are books and stuff and TV shows that come out at the moment. And you and I, we talk about it and we can see Christian themes in it. Yes. Are they actually meant to be allegor- <laughs> allegorical like that? <laughs> or is it just a coincidence? Is it just the greatest story ever told but sub- like subtly coming into the mind of the writer? I or think... It- I don't know. I think, I think the problem that a lot of modern media has
0: is either it's, it's death by committee You know, like made by... Look, collaborative creativity is great, but when it comes to, you know, editing and, you know, especially film and television, a lot of it... Different people have lots of different, uh, you know, control over the way that a story goes. But I think as well, a lot of modern writers and creators are willing to go so far in a message but aren't willing to go the whole way, whereas C.S. Lewis went the whole way with his message. He didn't just allude to these ideas of sin and salvation, suffering, the problem of of death and all that sort of stuff that, you know, very real problems. He he tackled it head on and he addressed it in a way that he saw um, within the biblical framework. And uh, a lot of people... A lot of modern writers, I think, are willing to—they're they're willing to bring up the conversation, but they're not willing to have a definitive answer that the way that they see it. That, yeah, I think it's maybe a mm. lack of confidence, or I don't know, I don't know. But I think that's why his work stand out so much is because he was willing to go the whole way and actually provide an explanation. Based on his subjective experience and research and biblical study and all that sort of stuff.
1: Interesting, really interesting. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think that's really cool. So that's that's my oh, one. What is oh, it? What, what else is there to say about CS Lewis? Honestly, <laughs> a,
0: once, a once in a
1: lifetime figure. Hey, yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully not. Hopefully we see more, right? Hopefully, hopefully. hopefully. I mean, techn- <laughs> he was before our lifetime, so. That's true. He died before either of us were born. So, yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, I think there are others who who sort of follow his inspiration. But mm. whether there are others who actually sort of reach what he reached, is that even possible in today's society? Is that possible? Yeah. I, I don't like know. to think so because I'm an optimist. But <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, That could be an interesting conversation for another time. But
0: yeah, you have given me an idea for. Uh, for, for next year's next year's pick uh, oh
1: okay yeah. well the countdown begins ladies and gentlemen to <laughs> the 2021 Halloween special
0: yeah I'm I'm keen I'm keen because there, there was somebody in C.S. Lewis's life who was decidedly against allegory but their work has been definitely compared to C.S. Lewis's work allegorically ever since, even though he was specific, he, uh, he or she uh, were I specifically. choices. It's, it's,
1: anyway. it's very transparent, is it? That's all right. We'll talk about it next year. All right. All right. But all right. hey, what we'd love if you guys would send us, um, if you can think of particular heroes, the, the faith to you who've passed away. Um, We'd love it if you share it with us. Um, mm. Yeah, we'd love to hear about it, or if you have any thoughts on this episode and format, um, we'd love to hear about it. So next place- year, next year. Sorry,
0: sorry. Before you say that, I will say next year. Let's try and pick some people who
1: are still alive. Perhaps is it isn't the point of this to remember those who aren't with us anymore? Is it? Or can is that? that's, can that's we- the point of All Saints' Day was remembering past saints. You can only become a saint once you once you're dead. Oh, I mean, we're not really. I mean, we're kind of. We're, we're riffing on it, though. Yeah. Does, does that mean yeah, that we should? I don't know. In my mind, I'm doing this because what well, this is. This is my original. Maybe, hmm. maybe this is a conversation we, should, we shouldn't have while we've hit record. But um, <laughs> I, just, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just. I'm derailing it. Yeah, but in my mind, it was taking a time of the year to look back on previous. Ah, you know, heroes of the faith. Okay. And you know, right. people, people who've contributed who are no longer here that we can All yeah. right.
0: Sorry, everybody who's alive. If you want to be on our list, you have to die. So just bear that in mind for next year.
1: You're Josh? Weird. Josh, just continue. Sorry, this like special moment. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, if you want to share, uh, we'd love to hear. So best thing, all all things burn the haystack, best place to go is burnthehaystack.org. You can send us an email or you can find links to connect with us on social media. That's right. And
0: if you want to, you don't have to, but we'd really like it if you subscribed to this podcast. I think it's a great thing to do. I think it's one of the best things that you could do today. It's definitely the best thing that you could do in the space of 10 seconds following this message. Subscribe to Burn the Haystack. And um, we will send you a nice cake in the mail. And if you want to go any further.
1: (laughs) No, we won't be sending a nice cake. That is false advertising, Jesse. (laughs) Uh, If you want to go further,
0: you can leave us a rating or review. And if you leave us a rating or a review, (laughs) we will send you some prayers and well wishes that don't cost anything. But also are very helpful because it's good to pray and God hears every prayer. Okay? All right. And maybe a nice you, cake. Uh, oh, okay. I swear we're maybe. offering cake now. Okay, all right. <laughs> Only if they leave a written review. A written, if you leave a written review, Josh, Josh Stuthers might send you a cake. <laughs> and maybe Jesse will too. If you, send, if you make a written review... And you send us $50 and your home address, no. we will definitely send you a cake.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. There's no cake. I'm sorry, everyone. There's no the cake, cake. The cake, is a, cake. The cake Why? is a lie. <laughs> leaving reviews is great so leave yeah. reviews talk to us connect with us the thing we, we do this because we love engaging with people so we need engagement so yeah. messages email us whatever you're gonna do we wanna we're hear the- from you sorry we're dragged out this outro so long we're very lonely <laughs> that I'm is sorry. Josh and Jesse out